Today we are here with Stephen. Stephen is here and Stephen is excited because this is probably the closest Stephen's ever going to get to interviewing somebody who puts out very real feeling, uh, very high quality produced uh, Wizarding World inspired content. Um, Today's guest is a filmmaker based out of Cleveland um, he has had works featured in Collider, Hollywood Reporter. Uh, his breakthrough piece was The Artist, a 39-minute drama that came out in 2009. I believe somewhere in my research I read that you've done more than 150 various projects, which is just pure insanity. Um, you are also not like 80 years old. I think you're like somewhere in your in your early 30s, so that's all the more impressive Um among many things, we'll be discussing Mudblood Parts 1 and 2. One is currently available to be enjoyed on YouTube. Part 2 will be out tomorrow for the listeners, Friday, July 9th. Please welcome to the podcast, Conrad. Hey, how's it going? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. This is so much fun. Can't wait to talk to you guys about this crazy thing called Mudblood that's been a part of my life for the last year. Yeah, you know... We, I'll save the praise for for part one and and all the other good stuff. We'll save that. You know, you, you've got enough. You know, praise coming your way, so that can wait. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm curious. I read somewhere again. I did some research, which listeners you'll be surprised to know um, that you first got into the the world of short films and production with a Harry Potter inspired piece when you were like in middle school. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. So, um, you know, funny story. I came back from seeing a chamber of secrets in the theater. I was, I think 12 and a half years old. And then I started writing a bunch of fan fiction. I started writing my own Harry Potter fan fiction. And I said, wouldn't it be cool if someone made my fan fiction into like a movie? And uh, of course, no one's going to make this, you know, 12 year olds uh, fan fiction into a movie. So then I said, well, you know what? My, my stepdad has a camera. Maybe I can make my own movie. Uh, so long and behold, that was my first ever like film was a Harry Potter like fan film. And it's the worst movie ever made of all time. It's unwatchable. Uh, but you know, that, that got me the motivation to like, want to make more movies and tell different stories and whatnot. And, you know, um, now here we are making like a more professional version of these kinds of fan stories. So it is safe to say that Harry Potter has been part of your life for a long time. Yes, I, I think Harry Potter really shaped my life. And, uh, you know, I, I owe the, the kind of stories that I tell because of Harry Potter and because of the books and because of the movies. So, yeah. So why don't we start with what your house is and then kind of take us back and tell us how you discovered Harry Potter, whether it was the movies first or the books first and kind of what that looked like for you. Yes. So my house is Slytherin and I am a very proud Slytherin, I will say. Uh, And it's funny because people are shocked every time I tell them, you know, I'm a Slytherin because the movie that I that I did, Mudblood, you know, it's not about a Slytherin. It's about a different house. Um, But uh, I discovered Harry Potter. Well, I'm from Honduras. I'm from Central America. Uh, um, And uh, it's a very like conservative kind of like country. 
And I remember this like bookseller came to my school when I was in elementary school and, and, and he was selling books. And one of them happened to be Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And all my teachers and all the parents were like, oh, no, those books are bad, you know, witchcraft and all this stuff. And, you know, of course, that made me want to read it even more. So I, I actually ended up buying the book myself and I read it kind of like in secret. Um, you know, then I went to see the movie and, and that really just got me inspired. It, it motivated me. I, I loved the world. Uh, immediately, I was I was transported as soon as I started reading the, the books. Uh, and then, of course, after seeing the movies, I was consumed. That's, that's you know, I became a huge fan. You told us how you, Harry Potter kind of got you into film and starting that. Where does that go from, okay, I'm a middle schooler. I made this fan thing. I've now kind of made this my life thing. And now I'm back to making a Harry Potter fan film. Oh, that's such a good question, uh, Danny. So, well, I, you know, it was obviously during the pandemic, we were all kind of like stuck doing, you know, at home, not doing much. And um, we were finishing up um, a, a feature film that's coming out later this year. And then we were also prepping a show that we were going to put out on Amazon and everything just got shut down. Everything just got like went on a standstill. And then I said, wow, like I feel very, not very creative at the moment. I, I wish that I could do something that I feel passionate about. I was in a creative rut in a way. And then I, I, I went back and I said, well, I've always wanted to do um, a, a proper Harry Potter film. I know that I started my career with a Harry Potter film. So I said, I'm going to go back now and, and try to make one that's really, really, really good with a professional crew, with professional cameras, professional post-production and everything. And just to see what it's like. Um, and, you know, at first it started out almost as like a, like, like, honestly, it was kind of like a, like a for fun thing. Like we were going to just have a fun little five minute short film. And now it turned into this like massive short film series that we've been developing. Uh, so it's, it's pretty cool. And it's, it's awesome. I'm curious, you know, one of the things that, and by no means do I have an eye for this because well, me and the arts don't, don't go so well together. Um, you know, but listening to a couple other podcasts, specifically, you know, I I loved the show Scrubs, and so I listened to a Scrubs podcast that Zach Braff hosts, and Zach Braff has gotten into directing now beyond acting, so he talks a lot about, you know, different shots and, and the clear influences and where things kind of stem from. I guess a two-part question along those lines is, what were, beyond Harry Potter, what were you watching, reading, engaging with growing up, and um if you could, if you could point to influences in terms of your directorial style, um, where would you point? Yeah. So my biggest influence to me as a filmmaker was Stanley Kubrick. It was Stanley Kubrick and Steven Spielberg. At first, when I was really young, uh, when I started discovering Steven Spielberg and when I, you know, after making these short films, after the first Harry Potter, when I started researching directors that I wanted to look up to or directors that I, that I heard about. And of course, everyone's had heard of Steven Spielberg. So I started researching his filmography and completely fell in love with it. And, and to me, I, that was just like a great style. And then as, as I started to get more serious, I started making more movies and they became more mature. I started looking at, at the works of Stanley Kubrick. Uh, and then I had Ingmar Bergman was a great influence. Hitchcock was a great influence. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, of course, um, Martin Scorsese. And, and I don't know, I feel like um, these master directors, these auteurs really kind of inspired me to try to create my own style and my own voice, you know, with my storytelling. Yeah, it's funny. It certainly, again, not being someone who is remotely close to being a film critic or a uh, esteemed connoisseur. It's funny you mentioned Tarantino because as I was watching the, the first 26 minutes here, you know, watching part one, 
there were a lot of moments where a I felt a lot of the close-ups of camera work, but then like the levity and like the light moments with the super dark scenery and and the intense intensifying music, that that one hit for me. Um, so that's more of props to me than it is props to you because I picked up on that. But um, no, that was that was very cool. Um, so so we're jumping around mainly because I think Danny and I are both really excited to be talking with you about this. <laughs> How how does this project, you know, actually go from an idea in your head? You know, I read on the GoFundMe page you talked about, you know, you're always wanting to to be a part of the official kind of Harry Potter film franchise and saying, well, I'll just do it myself. So how does it go from hey, I've got this idea to hey, I have I have this set of characters and 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 you know, developing the story and then eventually getting into pre production. Yeah, well, um, as soon as I knew that I wanted to make a Harry Potter film, I knew that I wanted it to be almost the opposite of Harry himself. I wanted it to be a woman. I wanted it to be a really cool girl that had some darkness within her. And I wanted it to be very unexpected. Um, And then I said, well, you know what? Uh, You know, the wizarding world is built around stories and about characters. So why don't I try to do the same thing on a very, very small scale and see where we land? Uh, so as soon as I knew that I wanted to make this main character, this 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 incredible, uh, you know, witch, uh, then I started building characters around her. Okay, who does she interact with? What's her goal? What's the what's the storyline? Um, and I knew that uh, I wanted to also mix the world that people already knew, the familiarity of Harry Potter, because of course that's what people are watching it. And I wanted to drop little bits and pieces of that within our own world and kind of intertwine them. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where the idea began. And then now that we're onto now prepping for the third film and, and the final film, and now that I know how it all kind of wraps together, I mean, it's it was an overwhelming amount of work, but I'm really, really proud of it. And I think it all ties together really nicely. So when you made the first film, did you know where you were going completely or has it like changed kind of how you've done things? Cause you have the first one filmed and now you're prepping for the third. Yeah. So one of the things that always frustrated me about franchise movies particularly was that they would do one and then they wouldn't know where to go or they would change directors and they would change the story. Um, particularly like the last Star Wars trilogy or, you know, or even the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy. Um, And they would just kind of like try to make things make sense. Uh, So for me, it was imperative that I knew exactly how the move, the the whole thing was going to end and and what was going to happen in the middle uh, and everything. So I actually had all three of the stories like outlined uh, prior to, to starting even the first one. So there's actually moments in the first one that are very subtle that you see again in part two, and then you're like, oh my goodness, this moment makes more sense now. There's a lot of those things that intertwine. And then part three is just this in, insane piece that kind of ties everything together. Not for nothing, but my personal vote for things that seem subtle that are gonna come back is at the, at the bar after Muriel has the encounter with the, the, the drunk teenager, and the camera pans back to her and she takes a sip. There was that guy behind her and he was just kind of chilling there, but the camera felt like it was lingering. And so I, you don't have to say anything. I'm going to watch it gladly on Friday and I'm going to find out like the rest of the world. But of the many, that's one that Stephen is putting his marker down on. Well, Stephen, I will not confirm nor deny your theory. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll find out on Friday, aren't we? Oh, that's, that's great. I'll tell you, you know, I guess now we can get to, you know, just keeping praise on you, which is, you know, everyone's favorite portion of any episode. Um, 
I love, and I know I mentioned it, right, the music and the overall cinematography of this. Like, y- you picked some beautiful locations, and the way it's filmed gives like a nice, and again, this is where my knowledge of film terminology is going to fall flat. So, apologies to you, apologies to our listeners who are so inclined. Um, but the way that you get really nice panoramic shots and then are able to really focus in on characters without it feeling too intrusive and like, Oh, they're clearly acting right in front of a camera. Uh, that was really beautiful. And you. you know, the, the, the use of, of color is really well done. And then not for nothing, I really liked the actual physicality of the spell work. Like oh, that yeah. was really, really cool. Like both in, in, in the, you know, the phys- the physicality of flicking the wrist and the arm movements, but then, of course, in the the effects that went into the spell cast. So, um, yeah. Danny, I'll stop rambling. I'm not sure if you wanted to talk about any of the things you particularly enjoyed, but that, that those were my highlights for sure. Yeah, good observation, Stephen. And thank you for that, because we spent so much time rehearsing how each spell was going to be cast. In fact, each spell had, had its own hand movement, and part two has twice as many spells as part one. So we had even more, you know, hand movements to practice. And then we had practical lighting for all the spells as well. I mean, it, it was a lot to go into all the effects and the cinematography and the music. I mean, it was, it was really well thought out. And I have a, had a great team of, of, of stunt people that helped me out. And obviously my composers and, and uh, you know, cinematographers, camera people, they were just fantastic. And I'm just very, very lucky. What was it like finding your team for this type of project? Like, are, were they Harry Potter fans? Were they non-fans? Or was it like a mix? Yeah. Um, so my my entire team was actually a bunch of Harry Potter fans. We were all just like enamored with it. Uh, I think some more than others. Um, but, uh, but, but the team that I work with for this was the team that I've been working with for the last three years on all my other projects. So as soon as I told them, guys, I want to make a no-profit fan film uh, just for YouTube, just for an audience, because, you know, we're, we're really not doing anything at the moment. Uh, they were all on board. They were, they were all super excited about it. They were, um, you know, they were enthusiastic. Um, at, at first, I feel like, you know, there were some doubts about doing a project for free. But as soon as we saw the enormous response, not, not to even the movie, the first movie, but just to the trailers and to the posters, they were like, oh, OK. All right. I see what you're doing here. Like you're, you know, you're we're doing something right. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think it was really cool. I think the cast in particular were big Harry Potter fans. The cast was was they were huge. Um, so that was that was a really, really lucky to have them. Yeah, I will say compared to a lot of fan films, yours has a more cinematic and I don't want to be mean and say like legit, but legit feel to it. Sure. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what, the first four, really the whole experience of part one, but particularly the first like four or five minutes, I'm watching this and I'm almost taken aback because it feels like it should be like part of something that we saw back in the day from the official film franchise. But of course the characters and the voice you establish are so drastically different. So I'm like, if the, my first instinct is like, well, who the heck are these people that are in a very real environment? And then of course my mind's like, no, this is not, but that's part of the magic of it is you really capture, I think the authenticity of the world. And look, you, you came from, you know, a world of fanfic originally you know, some of the worst fanfics are the ones that take away the authenticity of the voice of the original canon. Um, yeah. And then the ones that do better, the ones, of course, that, you know, regardless of the plot and the story, tend to feel like they're, you know, they're they're 
they're depicted in the realm that we're so familiar with. So yeah, I agree with you, Danny, on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. We were very conscious about how we wanted to portray those those first five minutes, particularly because that was actually one of the hardest sequences of the movie. Um, I, I remember I told my entire team, I said, the, if we don't have them in the first five minutes, we're not going to have them for the rest of the three movies. Um, and so I wrote the script and, you know, and it was this, you know, chase sequence inside this house. And then I said, why don't we make it in the middle of a thunderstorm? you know what, why doesn't she come out through flu powder? I was just adding crazy things. And of course we had to build a chimney or, or like a fireplace that would, that would actually fit the actress. So we literally, my production designer, Stephen Keller literally built that entire set. Uh, and then we incorporated it into this like mansion that we found. I and mean, we did so much scouting for the perfect location as well. There was so much work that went into every detail of this. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, it's we wanted to make it as realistic as possible. My goal with the Mudblood franchise was I wanted to be as best as we can, indistinguishable from the franchise movies. Um, and, and that's been our mission. And we hope to complete that mission, you know, with the next two installments. Is this whole thing shot in and around the land? It is actually, it is shot in and around the land, um, all of part one and two, and then part three, I believe there's one sequence that'll be shot in Kentucky, but again, for the most part, it'll be in the land. Can you translate what that means? <laughs> it means Cleveland. We were in Cleveland. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Danny was apparently not part of the LeBron fever when he came back for, for part two in, in uh, what was that, 2015, 16, 17 or whatever. Yeah, no, that was, those were the great times. That's when everyone knew Cleveland. It was pretty cool. I was living in Los Angeles, of course. So I missed all the fun, but uh, yeah, that was crazy. How, um, how did you find your cast for this? I know you talked about your production team or, or people that you're, you're comfortable with and you've worked with for a while here. How, how did you find um, all of the incredible talent that we see on screen? Uh, luckily, I knew some of them prior um, to, to doing Mudblood. Um, McKenna Weyburn, who plays Muriel, I knew her because we had worked together uh, before on, on several projects. And I, I kind of wrote the role for her. She was the only person that didn't really even audition. Um, and, and everyone else did audition for their roles. Um, e you know, even some of the people that I, I'd worked with before, like Angela Cole, who plays Emmeline Perkis, the, the lead villain of the sisters. I had worked with her on several projects for five years and she's one of the best actresses that I know, but even she had to audition because I'd never seen her play a villain. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Can you be mean? And, and she sent me this, this terrifying audition and I'm like, Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, you know, you got the role, uh, you know, and then everyone else I met, I met several new actors who just sent in tapes and I, I reached out to cast local casting directors here in Ohio who helped me out. And I, I reached out to acting coaches and, and we try to get the best of the best to work on this project. No, and I think that definitely shows through what we have seen so far. And I know there's, I found it um, probably right after you initially released the first one, there was a lot of buzz about it. And I've talked to, with some of your people that are involved on Clubhouse, which is how I was first introduced to the okay. film. And there was a lot of buzz, like all of a sudden it went from nothing to my Facebook, just being constant shares of the film. 
Yeah, no, it was crazy. I remember when we originally, you know, posted the movie. I had no idea how I was going to do. I knew that the trailer did well, and but what really like sold it was a TikTok that I made. And I, you know, again, I don't, I didn't do TikTok. I wasn't really, I didn't know what that was. Um, so I got an account, and I said, well, you know what? I got like a hundred people following me. I mean, that's not much, but you know, it'll that'll be something for someone out there if they see this ad. I'm going to put an ad for the movie. And, uh, and then I remember I, I put it out there and I completely forgot about it. Several hours later, I get a phone call from my actresses and they tell me, did you see your TikTok? And I said, oh, that's right. I posted a TikTok. What did you get a couple? Did it get a couple of views? They're like, it's got almost a million views right now. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, you know, and then next thing, you know, like a week later, it's got like 5 million and, you know, it just keeps escalating. And, uh, and then, and then as soon as the movie dropped, which happened to be the same week that TikTok dropped everyone just went into the movie to see it. And we had an online release for part one and uh, I could see in the chat, all the people tuning in to watch the movie live. And we had like 300 people like right at midnight. And I'm like, Oh, this is crazy. And everyone's chatting and talking about it, reacting. It was, it was surreal. It was really cool. What does, and I'll put it in the heaviest of air quotes, but what does success mean for you with this project? Right. Is, is simply the, the release of it all success in and of itself, right? Cause this is quite literally like a childhood dream come to life. Talk to us about that. Uh, that's a very, very good question, Stephen. Uh, success for me in regards to mudblood means um, that I feel like all the hard work uh, that I've put in the last 16 years of my life as a filmmaker are finally being kind of recognized in some way. And, and it couldn't have happened on a better project than with something that I'm so deeply passionate and in love with. Uh, you know, I always thought that maybe I would have success with, you know, my original projects or like a horror movie here. I got, you know, I got a couple of movies on Amazon and stuff. Um, but then I had no idea that it would kind of come in with literally my favorite film franchise and with my own like like fan spinoff from it. It it's sort of surreal. And I'm I'm so grateful for everyone who's supported the the film series and for everyone who loves it and has embraced it. Uh some people have embraced it as passionately as the Harry Potter uh, franchise. And to me, it's it's I'm I'm blown away and I'm just so humbled by it. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about that. What, you know, obviously we're sitting here on the precipice of two thirds of the project being released, but, you know, as you know, in, in reality right here and now one third is out there for the world. What has the the community that you've built specific to this project, but also of course the larger community that you've plugged into with this project meant to y'all? Yeah, it's it's honestly been incredible. Uh, everyone has been incredibly supportive. And that's the one thing that I was questioning was how are people going to react to this? Because it could go horribly wrong. They could be like, and some people have said like, no one can touch Harry Potter. What are you doing? Or another comment would be like, you know, you're ruining Harry Potter for us. But the majority, the 98% of them, I would say, are people who are just like happy that we have more uh, wizarding world stuff that you know we have more magical content you know it's not it's not canon harry potter stuff but it's close enough and it's and it's world building enough that it's that it's similar and uh, and we've been we've been so so lucky that everyone has been so gracious you know with with people reacting to the videos and making reaction videos on youtube or, or stitching our things on tiktok or sending us messages and emails or, or making fan art it's it's been absolutely remarkable Stephen and I have been part of the online Potter community for a few years. Prior to starting this film, had you experienced any of that online community? 
No, I had not. In fact, I went into the community. Uh, I didn't even know it existed, to be honest with you. And it's such a shame that I didn't because, you know, now I'm obsessed with every post that I see everywhere, uh, you know, and, and the community has some amazing memes as well. Um, that, uh, But yeah, I, I had no idea. So I, I kind of joined the community to, to obviously promote Mudblood. Then I, you know, I became invested in it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's like a whole, I mean, it's a whole like universe, uh, this community and it's fantastic. And I've met so many, so many wonderful people that I, I now call really good friends, you know, uh, amazing friends. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been a beautiful journey so far. Danny might be going somewhere with this line of questioning. So I apologize, Danny, if I'm breaking up your flow, but I do have to mention that one of the best things about this community is that at conventions, there is always a uh, lively fanfic uh, session or two where people are, are are reading their own, they're sharing, you know, the funniest, the raunchiest, the best, the worst, all, you know, any, you know, any and all of the above. Um, and so not for nothing, but that's always a great time. Oh, I, you know, I, we talking about going to conventions. We actually went on live. We went live yesterday with Carrie Lewis, who is a great. Uh, She's been on before. Friend of the pod. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. So we went live yesterday and, you know, she was talking about the cons she's been to and she was having a great time at these conventions. And I'm like, I'm so jealous. Like, I want to go and experience one. Well, two things. A, given that none of us happen to look like carbon copies of any of the talent from the official films, I don't know if our con experience will be the same as hers. Um, But second, uh, natural plug for LeakyCon Denver happening October 29th to the 31st in Denver, Colorado. Um, I don't officially run that convention, so I don't have any of the social links or website memorized, but we're going to be there. It's LeakyCon.com. It's very... I I didn't know if it was going to be org or anything, so I didn't, you know. Uh, Anywho, we'll be there having a great time. Oh, that's good. Uh, I might be there myself. I mean, I, I, I there was supposed to be one in Orlando, I heard this that, summer. Yeah, yes. that will be in July of next year. It's the same convention, um, but the, that one got canceled because of COVID and they pushed it to July of next year. But they're actually doing one this October. It's oh. all Harry Potter fans. Um, oh. We met some of our best friends. There's Stephen and I met through this community. Oh, how great. Uh, <laughs> it's, I, yeah, I'm going to try to go. I mean, we're going to be smack in the middle of part three in October, I'm pretty sure. But maybe we can sneak away and, and say hi to everyone. Well, look, I've seen the visual aesthetics of part one. And if those tell me anything, it's you're going to need a very fluorescent lit uh, high ceiling convention center somewhere in, in part three. And look, <laughs> I've got wide hips and a big forehead, but I look pretty good in, in slacks and with a wand in my hand. So I, you know, it, it can happen. And you, you can know. get free actors through all the cosplayers. See, this is a perfect situation for you. If, some, if something happens with the lovely gentleman who played the drunk teenager in, <laughs> in part one, um, I, tend to be more inebriated than not at conventions. So I can gladly step in. <laughs> oh man. Well, perfect. That we, it sounds like we have a plan going here. I mean, his cool. requirement though, is that he must wear khakis. So you oh, have to work that in. Well, it's part of the brand. You gotta stay true to the brand. I'm muggling <laughs> khakis. I'm not wearing denim or suit pants. I'm, hey, come on. Um, before we transition out of strictly talking about mud blood, um, or I guess as a subtle transition now talking about my blood, I also read somewhere, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you once made a series of Indiana Jones parodies. Okay. All right. I don't know who told you this. <laughs> I don't know where you're getting this information, but uh, yes, it's it, the rumors are true. I, I did make Indiana Jones parodies. Uh, 
I don't know who talked, okay? Because those are supposed to be like a secret. Uh, there are the worst movies that I've ever made, uh, but they really got me into editing. That's how I learned how to edit was with these Indiana Jones parodies. You know, I was like in high school, they're horrendous. And it's funny because in some of them, I mixed in Harry Potter stuff. So we'd have like spells and stuff like really cheesy spells. And and then at some point, Star Wars came in as well. I mean, it was, it was horrendous. But yes, I called it the Conrad Jones series. Um, we're going to go into production at some point on part eight, uh, which is where I left off, uh, you know, 15 years ago. But uh, yes, yes, I, I did make Indiana Jones parodies, tragically. But uh, yeah, it was a fun time back then. I mean, look, they're making that like fifth one right now, whatever, which very may well be a parody given how old Harrison Ford It's a is great timing time. for another parody to come out. That's true. It is good timing. You're right. Just got to lean into it. Absolutely. You know, we you, you talked a little bit about... Um, Mudblood being filmed with the exception of a, a shot or two down in Kentucky, everything else being in and around Cleveland and Ohio. How important is that for you as somebody who has grown up there and has planted roots there for, for the film to, to both literally be, you know, be representative of, of the community, but also of course, um, the the quote-unquote economic impact right of what of the project you're doing you know impacting the local community sure um honestly yeah i mean we've we've partnered with a lot of local uh, businesses and 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 people who um you know are part of the movie like for instance we we used a lot of airbnbs very creative beautiful airbnbs for our locations and i always tell them you know you know, if we can work out some kind of deal, we can give you a promotion in the movie and a special credit. And we even got this beautiful prison Airbnb for part two. So it's basically, it's, it's a house, it's a weird looking house, but it's it's a prison. It's literally got like jail cells and everything. And I'm like, how is, this is a real prison. And, uh, you know, I had no idea it existed. Um, and, you know, we got to use that in part two. And uh, it's, it's interesting. And then we used a hotel as well. I mean, I was just literally walking down the street, location scouting, and I looked at this hotel and I said, this looks like a perfect hotel that could pass as uh, the Aura's office in New York City. Uh, so I went in there and I just started looking around. And then the, the, the people working there, they were looking at me like, what is this guy doing? Just looking everywhere. And then I'm like, can I talk to the owner of the hotel? And then I finally got a hold of the owner and I said, listen, I'm, I'm making a, a film series for YouTube and I'd love to use your hotel uh, tomorrow. I know it's last minute. We we're going to use this other uh, place that I wasn't very happy with. And then they were like, OK, if you can promote us online, you can use do it for free. And I said, perfect. So it's, it's been wonderful. It's been so great. People have been so supportive. And it's actually really cool to see my town being featured in these movies that are being seen by, you know, thousands and thousands of people, uh, which, you know, would, would have never really happened. Uh, and it, it's, it's honestly really surreal, even though it takes place, quote unquote, in New York, it really is Cleveland. Uh, so it's been really fun seeing the places that I grew up with that I've been, you know, that I've been around kind of seeing them uh, from a different point of view, from a different perspective and and sharing that with the world. It's It's been fantastic. That's great, especially with the community involvement, because that also brings a lot of interest. And there's like a world where people end up in Cleveland for things and go, oh, hey, this is that hotel where part of that film was filmed. Like people love going to visit sites like that there's a reason there's a studio tour and there's unofficial walking tours through new york 
Yeah, absolutely. I've actually read comments on on YouTube from part one of people saying, "Oh my God, that's in, that's an Airbnb. I know that Airbnb, or, or you know, I've been there. It's it's pretty cool. It's great." God, see, we we. I mean, look, I'm sure we have more than two uh, youth listeners, but um, there are two who we happen to know pretty well. One uh, Potter kid reads, and the other um, Chloe, who just turned twelve. I saw um, a, a woman uh, named Alex, her daughter. And so like every time I start to veer into territories that aren't, you know, so, so wholesome, um, I go, oh, they're not gonna be able to listen to this episode. Dang it. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I, know. I, I, I totally get it, Stephen, because I, 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 I've been doing the same way while writing the, the Mudblood series at first. I didn't know who really was going to be the audience. Uh, so we had a couple of cuss words in part one. And, uh, and then I'm like, okay, you know what, let's keep it a little bit more clean for parts two and three, because we have children watching these movies. Um, and it's interesting because, uh, you know, I was telling someone the other day, I said, okay, so, so part one is PG 13. And then I said, well, part two, there's more action. There's, you know, a lot of things happen, but I think it's my first PG movie that I've ever made. I think it's my first PG movie, you know, but yeah, it's, it's good fun. Yeah. It's funny when you start thinking about things like that and you're like, oh, wait, there are kids that would really enjoy this because yeah. of what it is. And it would be nice to have this as an option for them. Absolutely. Um, we want to be, you know, as worldwide as possible and reach everyone and keep it clean. We're keeping it very clean for, for parts two and three. And I think it's, it's for the better. No, that will be great. And I know definitely the Potter kid will be watching this most likely this weekend. Oh, fantastic. Because um, He's pretty aware in the community at this point. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited for everyone to see part two. Uh, it's funny. Cause like, I'm, we're still like, even this morning, you know, 7am it's funny. Cause like half the post-production team is on a different schedule. They're on a nightly schedule. The other half is on a very early morning schedule. So I'm just like stuck in the middle. Um, so at seven in the morning, I was still approving shots. <laughs> even though the movie comes out Friday. Uh, and I actually, I cut out one very cool shot today that just didn't add to the story and, um, you know, had to, had to go but uh, still making decisions up to the last minute, but it's, it's maybe great. you release some of those as fun little TikToks as sneak peeks of things that didn't make it. Absolutely. People yeah, love that know, content. Yeah. You know, and this is no spoiler because it, it didn't make the film. It, we didn't film this, but there was one character from, uh, you know, the Harry Potter wizarding world that did not make the cut in part two that was originally in the script, which was Mad-Eye Moody. Um. So that's something that I can officially say without spoiling because it, it does not belong in the story anymore. Do you guys have anything planned for the release? Like, are there any watch parties happening or anything that our listeners can plan to tune in if they listen to this properly on open on the release day? Yeah. So um, I know several people are organizing like watch parties. A lot of the like the fans that we have are, are doing watch parties. I know our team, uh, we're going to um, to a house, uh, we'll call it the Miller's house, and we're having a, a pool uh, pool party. Uh, so we have like a pool, like a hot tub, and a lot of the cast and crew are going to be there. And it's going to be really cool. We're going to project the movie, I think, a little bit before the release, which is going to come out at midnight on the 9th. So it comes out to, you know, tonight. Eastern. Eastern, midnight yeah. Eastern. Um, so, um, we're also going to be on YouTube. So it's, it's going to premiere right at midnight Eastern July 9th, and they can go to the Connor studios, YouTube channel. And literally usually like, you know, tons of people come in and watch it at the same time. And they get to go to the chat and react to the movie as it's happening. It's really fun. It's really great. Yeah. I plan on enjoying part two from a hotel bed in Augusta, Georgia, where I will be this weekend. 
um, avoiding having to spend much more time talking with my grandmother, who I just, who I love. Let's be clear. I love listeners, but I just spent like a week and a half with her and I've had enough and I'm good. So uh, this is really the perfect timing for me. Um, That's great. I might even watch it multiple times and just pretend yeah. it's just one continuous loop. So I don't really don't have to talk with her. Um Yes, no, that's two minutes. 32 minutes is the runtime for 32 minutes and 57 seconds, I believe. It's the runtime for part two. Um, I'm really excited for it, truly. Um, again, like I think the weirdest but the best compliment I can give to it is it simultaneously feels completely naturally of the 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 Potter franchise, but also so distinctly different. Um, and, and I don't know how that dissonance kind of works in my head, but it really does. And it, it, it was beautifully, beautifully shot and, and put together. So kudos to you and your entire team. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, part one, um, particularly, I really wanted to embrace the feel of, of the Harry Potter movies because I'm in love with the movies. I love all of them. Um, now, for part two, I took a little bit of a, a creative leap a little bit. You know, it, it, the, the vibe of part two is a little bit different than part one. I wanted part two to feel grittier and I wanted to be more me, less, uh, less of what people know. And I wanted to take a chance to see if people would, since they know the characters, they know the story. I want to see, can they embrace a grittier style, something that, that seems just slightly different from part one, still, still magical, still got the same feel, but, but, but can we push the edges a little bit more? Uh, can, can we push it? And uh, I'm excited because, because they both are obviously within the same universe. They feel they go great together back, back to back, but they are very stylistically different movies. And I love it. I absolutely, I'm in love with the style that we did for part two. And I can't wait for you guys to see it. We are very excited to watch it. Do you have a timeline for what part three will look like? Or is that still very TBD? Um, I know that it's going to be a longer wait because it's a much bigger movie. The script is 40 pages for part three. It's it's the biggest. Um, it's literally massive. I mean, part three makes part one and two look like a Disney kids movie. Uh, like part three is crazy. Like it's nuts. Like so many things happen. Like within the first 10 minutes, you're like, we've already done much more than all of part one and two combined. Um, it's, 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 it's massive. So I think it's going to take us several months to, to complete it. Uh, you know, the script is, is finished. We finished the script, you know, a while ago, we've just been prepping it because there's so much that, that has to be within part three. It's, and I'm telling people, this is my return of the King part three. This is the big one. So I'm excited for it. Well, to Danny's point earlier about Indiana Jones and the timing of revisiting that, if you really play your cards right here, you could hold off on part three long enough to where you hit the release cycle for the newest Fantastic Beast movie next July. And if people love that, you can say, well, great. If you want more content that's of a piece with the Wizarding World, here you go. If, as I am presupposing, people don't love the newest Fantastic Beasts, uh, you know, um, uh, movie, you can say, well, I have something for you then if you really want to enjoy some Wizarding World content. <laughs> you could just have two separate ads running. There one you go. It, it's it's A-B testing. It. Yeah, you're, you're oh, set. Man. Can you imagine? No, that's, that's a good idea. Um, I do know that all the three movies for Mudblood will come out in 2021. That is one thing that I would that I wanted to make sure that they all three came out within that 2021. But there's another idea that I've been toying with. Um, so maybe I can just tell you guys so we can officially put it on the record out there in, in the public that it's out there, this idea. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I've talked about it on my TikTok live several times and everyone goes crazy for it, but I want to do a serious black movie about how he escapes from Azkaban. And I would call it serious black and the escape from Azkaban. And it would be this dark, very gritty, crazy film, uh, of his escape. Um, you know, and it, we, there would be, you know, Dementor battles and all this crazy stuff. I mean, it would be like a, like a thrill ride. So that's a possible idea for the future if, you know, people really want more. So, I mean, one of the things that we discuss a ton on this podcast, at least in recent months, has been, you know, with Warner Media starting to kind of get their engines roaring with potential new content, what you'd like to see. And I basically want them to take the, maybe do it at a higher rate, mind you, but take the DC model of these super gritty independent character studies. Because look, we can do all these big plot movies where characters come together and there's all, you know, like we can do another Potter-esque canon, but there's so much, there's so many characters serious, right? And even just yeah. isolating his, like that, oh, that would be so brilliant. Yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah, just serious, but you know, on his own in Azkaban, I think it would be so cool. He's one of my favorite characters. And I feel like, you know, people who didn't read the books, they don't even know how he escaped from Azkaban. Uh, so I'm like, that's an untapped material right there that, that would be fantastic for everyone who loves Sirius, who loves the character. And, uh, you know, it's, it would be really cool. I mean, and I would 100% take my team to Europe to film this. It would be as authentic as possible. Well, you send me that GoFundMe link and <laughs> the Muggle and Khakis following will be spammed with it for weeks oh, on end. Perfect, perfect. One of the things we love to do here on the podcast is to shout out people's content that we really just enjoy. Can be anyone from TikTok to Instagram to people that are actually in your fan film. But do you have anyone you would like to shout out? Yeah. Oh boy. Well, I, I want to shout out everyone from my team. I feel like if I single someone out and then everyone's going to be like, Oh, well, you didn't mention me, but you mentioned them. Is that, you know, is there favoritism? So I'm just going to say the entire cast and crew of Mudblood uh, gets a, gets a big shout out. And particularly the, the post-production team right now who has been not sleeping at all, trying to race to finish this movie on time. And, and we're doing it. I mean, I, I actually, I saw the movie today for the first time completed and, and I'm like, okay, it's good. I like it. It's, 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 it's another movie, another chapter completed uh so but uh yeah i mean i you know i i I'll, I'll i'll shout out carrie you know of course uh she always shouts me out uh, every time and you know carrie lewis fantastic hermione cosplayer she's just so sweet so great um and i'll shout out my friend felix who's a harry potter cosplayer um i don't know his socials i think if you just search felix tiktok you'll find him he's he's awesome he's from france um i think he's from paris uh, just a fantastic guy. And uh, he's on Cameo as well, I believe. It's really Felix cool underscore TikTok. There we go. On That's... Instagram. That's where he is on Instagram. There it is. Yes. Wait, 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 wait. Oh. Are these photos of him or is he editing Daniel Radcliffe into a bunch of stuff? It's him. That's holy shit. I'm not going to say it because I need kids <laughs> to listen to this episode. But holy Christmas. I mean, come on, look, I'm just giving you free ideas at this point. And this might get you into the territory where Warner Brothers comes knocking on your door with a lawsuit. But getting him and Carrie into a film together. We've and, talked about it. We've I talked mean, about whole, it. Wow. Yeah. yeah, we've talked about doing a, a collaboration between all of us. And then we said, well, if we get Ed Sheeran, we can have Ron. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we get all three of them. <laughs> just, how, does, how does someone look like that? Wait a minute, time out. I've seen his TikToks because I have a good friend of mine who um, is, is, is gay and he will send me all these thirst trap TikToks all the time. Sure, and sure. 
I get see the one that made me recognize it. I'll put it on the screen here. Perfect for a yeah. podcast is this one photo of Felix where he's got a half unbuttoned, you know, white uh, shirt yeah. with, yeah. Um, you know, with the Gryffindor tie. And I was like, I oh, know I've seen this man's chest before. Um, <laughs> yeah. On set, uh, you know, and Felix, if he listens to this, you know, whatever, but we call him sexy Harry Potter. And everyone's like, when are we going to get sexy Harry Potter to be in the movies and Mudblood? I'm like, well, I don't know. I'll talk to Felix, you know, I'll, I'll message him. And you know, we always joke about collaborating, but he's, he's so cool. He's, he's fantastic. I think you could also go a whole different direction where you shoot some sort of, you know, film that is in the Harry Potter universe but where he plays someone who just is not intended to be like Harry or Potter at all. He's just a random person. And like every third scene is like, you look like somebody. Where do I know you from? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've just been like, I've sold newspapers on this corner for the past 30 years. I'm not, you know, I, anywho, I'm not. That's a, a good idea, Stephen. No, I mean, I know you, maybe you're joking about it, but what if it was like a dark Harry Potter, Harry Potter, that's actually like evil. And then at the end we realize it's just polyjuice potion and someone, you know, turn into Harry and it's this dark story. And at the end we have this massive twist. Now, if you guys are hearing this in the podcast, don't tell anyone. Cause I might actually do that at some point someday. We're making big moves on this episode. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Danny, I believe you asked me for my shout outs. Yes. Did I hear that right? Yes, I did. Okay. Well, first I would like to shout out the girl that collects Harry Potter. Her name is Pamela. She lives in the Netherlands. I would believe she is Dutch, but doesn't necessarily have to be true. Uh, she is self-described as obsessed with potions and she just takes a ton of really cool merch photos. I, as someone who has a mediocre Instagram account, tries and tries again to take good photos of my merchandise, and it just never comes out properly. So I have so much respect for people who can take good photos of merchandise because it's just a skill I don't have. Um, my second shout out, this is more of a timely one than anything else. I know in episodes past, we've talked about Wizarding World, the, the Harry Potter fan club app, and of course, the gold uh, membership within that. And kind of the perks you get from that, uh, chief, chief among those is uh, early access and exclusive access to some pins. Well, today I got early access by a day to the Cursed Child. Uh, are we calling it a revival on Broadway? It has a different It's more revised. It's a, it's a re, well, it's a reboot in terms of they've condensed the show. And of course, it's coming back after COVID. Um, anywho, I got early access to tickets for that. So I am thrilled to be going back to Broadway this fall to see, for the first time for me, Cursed Child. Um, love that. And my third shout out, because y'all know I do things here in threes, is to friend of the pod, Tyler Starr. Tyler recently picked up a copy of the Harry Potter and the Doomspell Doom tournament uh, marketing uh, literature for those who aren't uber familiar with random pieces of marketing literature from Scholastic from 20 years ago. Um, Scholastic was sending around its promotional materials to solicit orders from bookshops um, for Goblet of Fire, and they still didn't have a title because the author was going back and forth on title names. At, the, at that point in time, they were leaning towards Harry Potter and the Doomspell tournament. Um, so they sent out marketing materials with that on it. And it's like a, it, it, it's really cool. Anywho, he got one. I said, holy crap. He goes, actually, the person who sold me one has a second one if you want it. And lacking self-control, I immediately messaged her and gave her a lot of galleons. So I now have one too. Uh, so shout out to Tyler for being my plug on that. And those are my three shout outs, Danny. And today I am shouting out Sarah Alley, who is 
the face behind the Potterific July challenge, which is going on. It is an Instagram photo challenge. So go follow the hashtag Potterific July and you can see some awesome photos from all across the Pottergram. Yesterday's theme was the snitch. Today's theme is the death. It's Deathly Hallows or something about death. I forget the specific wording, but go check her out and all the other people that are taking part in that challenge. I just have to say before we wrap here, and of course, um, thank um, and, and and give an opportunity for plugging Mudblood one more time. But Sarah Alley, I just, you've asked me a couple of different times now to participate in your in your monthly challenges, and I want you to know it's nothing personal. I don't have my life together enough to follow 30 days worth of prompts and take like good photos for all of that. I don't even do that when Danny, my supposed best friend and podcast co-host has challenges. Um, so like, I love what you're doing and I applaud it and I'm hundred percent behind you in spirit, but you know, if I eat three meals a day and, and bathe, it's been a good day. Um, so a month's worth of photos is just too much for my, for my brain to commit to. So Anyway, that's all to say. I love what you're doing. Keep it up. Loving Potterific July as a spectator. So, Conrad, why don't you tell us where people can find you and the film on the socials? Yeah. Um, so they can watch the film at the Conrad Studios YouTube channel, or if they simply just uh, YouTube the words uh, Mudblood or Mudblood film, they'll be able to find uh, the movies. Um, and uh, they can find me on TikTok, which is where I've been most of this time, uh, at uh, Conrad Farah, F-A-R-A-J, 53, uh, which is my username for both Instagram and for TikTok, actually. That's where they can find me, but, uh, but yeah, I hope everyone watches Mudblood part two dropping July 9th. It's exciting. It's, we've been working on it for many, many months and I'm finally going to take a long vacation, I think. Uh, so I can't wait for everyone to see what we've been up to. Thank you so much for joining us. We are excited to see it. We cannot wait. And we would love to also have you back before part three releases. I'm just saying, I look, COVID restrictions are loosening unless this whole Delta variant thing starts. And I don't even want to think about that. Um, but so long as people are allowed to travel the world and much less the globe, at least half of this country, when y'all are in production or post-production, I will gladly fly my ass to Ohio. Oh, ass, I said it. Dang it. <laughs> I will gladly fly my tushy to Ohio. And, and I would love... Um, just to be able to, a, to meet you and be like, hey, this is pretty awesome. Congratulations. Um, but of course, to, to give you and the team some more shine here on the podcast. Oh, that would be great, Steve. We'd be glad to have you here. It'd be awesome. I will patronize the local bars. Just to, <laughs> to, the, to the Economic Development and Tourism Board for, for Cleveland, um, you're welcome in advance. Yes, absolutely. We can take you to the bar where we filmed uh, in part one. There was a pub scene. We can take you to that one. I'll put on a jacket, get some loose bottles on the inside, and we'll just, yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> All right, Conrad. Um, thank you so much, and really good luck with the last couple of hours here before it goes live. Yes, thank you, Stephen and Danny, for having me. This has been so much fun, and I uh, can't wait to see your reactions to the movie. Mm-hmm.